You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Gary Hannafin, North America's Supply Chain Operations Lead for Accenture. Navigating the logistics industry requires not only reading the market as it stands today, but also looking ahead to what the market might be tomorrow. Everything from innovations in technology to changes in policy demands that companies either stay alert or get left behind. Gary Hannafin, North America's Supply Chain Operations Lead for Accenture Strategy, offers his insights into what you might want to watch out for to keep your company on the right course. Joining us today is Gary Hannafin, North America's Supply Chain Operations Lead for Accenture Strategy. Gary, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in logistics and the supply chain in the first place? And what exactly does the supply chain operations lead do? Yes. I actually uh, started with the firm 25 years ago. I think that makes me like 180 in dog years or something like that. But I was uh, I was thinking about that, and it seems to me that it started with M&A. I was doing mergers and acquisitions, and about two-thirds of the business cases were dependent upon the synergies between the two companies and their supply chain. And so I guess I just followed the money, and I started to do working more in supply chain more and more, and been doing that for probably the last 20 years. As lead of uh, Accenture Strategies practice, I'm mostly waking up every morning with a team of, I don't know, close to 500 people that just think about supply chain, logistics, source and procurement, manufacturing, and pretty much every industry. Well, given that career then, you've witnessed how decades of demand-driven logistics regimes have evolved into fully integrated, multi-layered business relationships. With all that increased complexity, is it easier to disrupt those business relationships, or conversely, are they more durable against disruption? That's interesting. I suppose that over the decades, we've seen the power shift from landowners, I suppose, uh, in the early uh, century to people that owned all the raw materials, to the manufacturers, then most recently to the retailers. And now all the power base seems to be with the consumer. Most of our clients have embraced that, and they're working from the consumer back. And so when you talk about durable relationships, it's probably less so on the supplier side and less so about the sort of networked businesses that they're creating and more so of how they can create durability with that consumer. All right. So speaking about that consumer, inbound logistics has coined a term called supply chain impatience, which reflects the dynamic and highly volatile nature of consumer demands. How do companies quickly and effectively adapt to meet the instant gratification culture that's brought on by companies like Amazon and Google and so on. Yeah, I love that term. It's uh, fantastic. Uh, I'm going to start using it, actually. <laughs> if you look at you know Amazon, the Amazon effect, for me, what it is, it starts with the consumerization of the business-to-business relationship. So you and I are consumers. We have an experience on the weekend. We can track and trace. We can know exactly where our product is that's on its way to see us. And then we go to work on Monday and actually we don't have as good an experience. We don't have that same experience with our suppliers, we don't have the same experience with our customers, and all of a sudden it doesn't feel as good. And so there's a greater expectation even in the business-to-business world of instant gratification and I would say broader visibility that we're starting to see as a uh, predictable journey. Something else that we cover in the magazine is something that we call logistics IT. And as it's shown, many business logistics practitioners are deeply behind the digital adoption curve. 
In general, what kind of digital initiatives should companies be looking into implementing in the very near future? So I think that there's a couple of places to start. We've done some research about the what we call digital trendsetters. So those companies that are in the top right-hand quadrant of both profitability and growth. So profitable growth, top 10% of each. And what are they doing differently than everybody else? One of the things they're doing differently is they're outspending in IT, in supply chain, at about an 8 to 1 ratio. $8 for every $1 for the laggards. And what are they spending it on? Well, it's you know cloud and mobility. These things are table stakes. Where they're really spending their money is artificial intelligence, machine-to-machine learning, sensors. This is where they're spending all their, their money. There's some absolute parallels across industries that we're starting to see predictable journeys. I, sometimes I think 90% of my job is actually just pattern recognition between industries. And one of the things that we're seeing on a regular basis is an investment in real-time visibility. Real-time visibility followed by reactive and then predictive analytics, and finally execution. And that execution, it's a bit of nirvana right now, but the really best companies, the ones that are on the leading edge, they're investing in that execution capability as the third step after real-time visibility and predictive analytics. So speaking about that execution, your own research indicates that about two out of every five companies don't give digital implementation high enough priority in their supply chain. Two questions then, why do you think that is? And Two, what should companies be doing right away to try and stave off a digital crisis if and when they find themselves having to pivot too quickly to adapt? Yeah, there's so many folks are investing right now in what I call digital band-aids. They've had a analog process, a manual process, if you will, for years. And all of a sudden, they find themselves trying to digitize it. And what they do is, you know, I was just working with a company the other day. I was doing a bit of a quality assurance on this project they were doing. And they had a, uh, a seven-step manual process. Guess how many steps our digital process had? Seven. <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be seven or ten or one, but it's probably not seven, right? Uh, and, and they just found themselves just creating a, a replica of their analog process uh, almost holistically. And so th- I think that's missing the point. What we're trying to do is we're trying to move companies to really a different baseline. And if we can get them to what I call quartile zero, that is elimination of the spend or the waste or the, even the function, then actually everything that they've invested in the past goes away. And with technology as an enabler, you can actually get to a quartile zero. You, know, you can have a source and procurement practice of one person because it's digitized, it's cataloged, it's enabled. Uh, These are the sort of things, right? An autonomous vehicle, if we were doing uh, transportation, that would be basically zero, right? Quartile zero, because you have no people in the truck. What other technologies are on the horizon immediately that companies should be looking at? Autonomous trucking is one of them. What about things like drones? Are they something that companies should be heavily investing in or at least looking into right now? We love these things, you know, drones, autonomous trucking, you know, uh, even convoys of of trucking and and the way that they can communicate to each other in a networked way, even with drivers in place. These are all things that are available right now. Really, it's just the government and the policies and the adoption that's lagging behind the technology. One of the areas that we're looking at uh, heavily is blockchain. Uh, You know, most people think of it as a financial construct. But it's, uh, you know, touch wood, it's been very hacker-proof, um, you know, with the Bitcoin technology, et cetera. 
we see it as a natural uh, extension into track and trace, conflict minerals, food, drugs, whatever they might be. Track and trace is easy. Eventually, though, I think the human aspect will be important. What can we use blockchain for in order to understand how contractors are moving on to a construction site and doing uh, capital improvements and be able to pay them faster, to be able to track and trace the folks on the site in a way that is uh, the same as you might see a financial institution with blockchain. We think the future is that direction. Interesting. Let's go to that term human because some of that technology is human free, autonomous trucks, drones. How do you sell that concept then to, to companies? I think it's important to focus on the four traditional supply chains. You've had the physical supply chain, moving products here and there. You've had the financial supply chain, how, how those goods and services are paid for. You've had the information supply chain, which flows through planning and uh, advanced ship notices and such. But you also have the talent supply chain. And as we think about the talent supply chain, what we're really asking the talent supply chain to do is do something new, do something interesting. We are going to um, have you know, more focus on analytics more focus on data scientists, uh, more focus on planning and strategic execution, as opposed to maybe some of the more, more mundane things. There will always be a need for human intervention at every level. A computer just can't think, even with artificial intelligence, can't think at the level that a human can. And in fact, most of the folks that look to the future, the futurists, they predict that the human interface is going to be even more important because of artificial intelligence and other things uh, like big data and analytics. We recently elected a new president. What do you think that will do to business in general uh, with regards to logistics? Will his policies help? Will it hurt? What do you predict for the next four years at least? The main thing about supply chains is that folks want them to work like a utility. They want no surprises, right? And when there's social and political unrest, uh, that can affect the supply chain by adding volatility. Now, uh, remember the research I talked to you about and the folks that were in the top right-hand quadrant as digital trendsetters? Well, those folks that are enjoying that profitable growth, they're actually doing something a bit different. Say 10 years ago, they would have been happy with a supply chain that was predictable. They would have, been, uh, they would have embraced that. But actually, the trendsetters, that top 10% in that top right-hand quadrant, they're embracing the volatility. And they've figured out that through segmentation, through understanding of the peaks and, and valleys, and focusing not on ev treating everything the same way, but on pinpointing what's important at what point in time, they've actually been able to optimize that volatility to produce exceptional results. And I think that you know, whatever the situation is, social, economic, political, anytime there's volatility in the world, a company that can embrace that volatility and optimize it is going to end up winning. All right. So let's look ahead further than that four years. Let's go all the way to 2037. What do supply chains look like then? How vastly different does it look from 2017? Oh, I love to say that it looks like the Jetsons, right? That were uh, you know, tooling around or, or, or Star Wars, right? That were uh, hovering and you know, eating our meals and pills and things like that. Uh, I don't know how much of that will be true, but I do know that any technological advance uh, will change the supply chain forever. 
And right now, we are actually accelerating the technological advance at a far greater speed than we ever have in the past. And so uh, my guess is that we will see cycles of supply chains start starting, you know, even the last five years, start to cycle through. And the, the ability to future-proof your supply chain will require you to be scenario-based. You won't be able to create a strategy and say, this is our five-year strategy, and we'll put that on a credenza and hope that it's, you know, still good in five years. It's going to all be scenario-based. What happens if? What happens if my competitor's using drones? What happens if they cut the uh, pick, pack, and ship of their products by 30% because they're using robots? What if, what if? And it's those answers to those questions that will separate the winners and losers. All right. Well, speaking about those winners and losers then, how do you keep track of that? How do you keep score? What is the bar that you measure that against? Actually, it's changed uh, over the last five years as well. Uh, it used to be that you could uh, invest in projects in specific functional silos in a supply chain, and they'd go through on a nod. Actually, there was a lot of uh, folks that were uh, doing projects with no business case whatsoever, and they'd call them foundational. By the way, foundational is code for I didn't do a business case. And so now the uh, ROI on these uh, projects is uh, a very high bar. And it actually is not just about cost reduction, but it's about projects that can simultaneously reduce your costs, increase your revenues, increase your brand in the marketplace, and reduce risks. And if you don't create a business case around all four of those aspects, you're probably not putting in the right project. Thank you for taking time out to sit with us today. Fantastic. Thank you. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash getil. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game. The Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation, and supply chain practices, get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. All of these links will be available in the show notes. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.